Okay, so our objectives again for the series, and I'll just go through these real quickly, just because we're starting um, our second volume um, of this series, just to remind us what our goals are, is number one, to provide perspective into God's prophetic scriptures. Um, prophecy, we say it is God calling his shots in advance. Two, to illuminate end-time events in a way that is consistent with all other texts of Holy Scripture, full of hope, faith, and love. It's not it's not 65 books of hope, faith, and love, and one of doom and gloom that I can't quite understand and get, and I'm just scared to even look at it, and it makes me nervous just reading it. It's not supposed to be that way. Three, to acknowledge that God is both full of grace and mercy and also judgment and vengeance, that there are warming scriptures, but there's also warning scriptures, all right? And so um, that's also true um, in this book as well. Four, to highlight patterns, principles, and personality profiles that appear repetitively in Scripture, enabling us to look backward but see forward. We did a lot of that in um, Volume 1, so we won't necessarily do as much in Volume 2, but we'll reference that. Um, Five, to develop a prophetic viewpoint that informs our view on global events but is not unduly influenced such that we try to conform Bible prophecy to current events resulting in speculation, not spiritual expectation. Everybody's trying to tell me what the mark of the beast is. Hold it. Pump the brakes, bruh. I'm not going to try to, man, they have this kind of implant chip in some company in Europe. And all of those things are true. But you don't have to try to conform stuff and try to make it something. We're going to read what the Bible says and let, let it define itself. Somebody say amen. All right. Six, to motivate you to be about your father's business through an understanding of God's prophetic climb time clock. The most exciting part of the game is in the final seconds, and we've been in the NCAA finals. We've certainly seen that um, here recently, but that's also true in, 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 in the time as we get closer to the, to the end times and Jesus' return. We're the team that he puts on the field at the end of the game. That means there must be a capacity in us to rise to the challenge to do what needs to be done in our generation. And then finally, to give you comfort, confidence, and hope that God has a plan for your deliverance from darkness as he ushers in a new age. All right, so I have seven key points from Revelation chapter 1, but I'm just going to walk, we're going to read the scripture, and then we're just going to give you one point. And so today, our goal is just to go through all of Revelation chapter 1, right? And um, it's the cover letter for the book of Revelation, all right? Any, any of uh, you had like a resume and then there's a cover letter and you say, in the, rest of the, in the rest of my resume, you will find this. I am applying for this job. And you, you have the salutation, who the letter's written to. Um, and I, I'm applying for this position. And it tells you something. So it's a preview of coming attractions. All right. And so um, chapter one is that. And so we're just going to take our time, walk through that, and then I'll give you seven key points from Revelation chapter one. All right. So let's just start at the top. Revelation, and we're going to read verses one through three, and then I'll give you the first point. The revelation of who? The revelation of who? Okay. It's not the revelation of the beast, the false prophet. It's not the revelation of... You know, the frogs, um, the mark of the beast, um, the, the dragon, the plagues, the bowls, the, fly, the, the lice, the flies. It's none of those things. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. 
things which must shortly come, must shortly take place. I, sometimes I read King James in my head, and then I got to look at the paper, all right? And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, all right? So John is, there was a, a piece of this that Jesus was revealing, but there's parts of this that Jesus' personal angel. This is not just any, all of the angels are Jesus's. You know that, right? So when it says his angel, he's talking about the one that has FaceTime with Jesus. Like, you know, like Jesus has specific armor bearers that just work with him. All right? That's, that's the significance because all of the angels are his. Right? Because he's the captain of the Lord's host. But he's saying, I have, right. And I, remember when Gabriel came to, to to, to Zacharias, he said, listen, I'm not just any angel. I stand in front of God himself. That's the significance here. All right. In other words, this is a high-ranking angel that is the highest rank because he's serving Jesus himself. I believe that scripture will bear out, um, though it's a, it's a deductive revelation. It doesn't say this exactly, but it at least implies it that in the previous dispensation, this might have been even Lucifer himself because he was the anointed cherub that covered the most holy place because that's what cherubim do, right? And then he got tired of serving the Christ and wanted to be Christ himself, but that's a story for a different session. All right. Um, he signified it, sin signified by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Now look at verse 3. Verse 3 is an important one, and we'll get back to it here in a second. Blessed is he who reads. Oh, it didn't say scared is he who reads. Confused is he who reads. didn't say that, did it? It says that there is an empowerment to prosper just on you reading it. All right? Now, we say in church sometimes, may the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. But not every scripture says that you just get blessed by reading it. Some of them say, okay, you bless when you do them. But this one says there's a blessing in even reading it. Wow. What might be we be leaving on the table because we won't even take the time to read, study a specific book of the Bible, we, we spend time in the 65, and there's this one other book which has in the cover letter a statement that says, I'm blessed when I read it, and I won't even read it because it scares me. All right? Clearly, the enemy is trying to create confusion around a specific book of the Bible that I need to get past all of that because God has something in there for me. All right? So let's read it. Blessed is he who reads it and those who hear the words of this prophecy. All right? It's good. See, you're already blessed because you came to church today. Hallelujah. And, uh-oh, there's something in here for me to do. And keep those things which are written for the time is near. All right? So I'm blessed when I read it. I'm blessed when I hear it. And I'm also blessed when I do the pieces of it that are actionable for me. Some pieces in the book of Revelation have to be actionable to me in this time, or this scripture has, there's no reason for it to say those who keep the words of the prophecy, right? Okay, so we got seven key points. I'll give you 
three here, and then we'll go on to number four. The first is, the first is, remember the preeminence principle. Remember, we had our eight critical perspectives. The preeminence principle says that Jesus is the subject. If I get off on anything that's outside of Jesus, then I'm off. That's why I can say with 100% confidence that people that go to seminars that are held on end-time events by um, Jehovah's Witnesses, they can't get it right. They can't get it right. Why? Because the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe the witness of Jehovah that Jehovah witnessed about his son. Because if Jehovah Witnesses believe the witness of Jehovah that Jehovah witnessed about his son, they leave the kingdom hall and enter the kingdom of heaven. Bam. So they read stuff and they can't understand it because they miss the main idea. All right. Jesus is the subject. This is because the title isn't the book of Revelation. The title is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. All right? Now, but already, if you get that, then you, you are already someplace different. You're already someplace different. There are in... Jesus told... Jesus told the... Um, Jesus told... The, the, uh, the religious leaders, you search the Bible thinking you have eternal life, but these scriptures testify about me. And so you can go from Genesis to Revelation finding specific things that point to Jesus, right? He is the seed of the woman who would bruise the head of the serpent. He is the seed of Abraham who would be blessed, right? Um, he is that prophet like Moses that would come. He is um, the scapegoat. He is the, the serpent that was raised up on a pole by Moses. So you could go and, and, and you know, and, and on, um, on Good Friday, when people start saying the seven last sayings, you start calling out him as the bright and morning star. The Alpha and the Omega. And we can, people go go from Genesis to Revelation saying all of these different revelations of who Jesus Christ is. And folk going to be shout happy over it. I'm not mad. I'm just saying. All right. Now, this book says that there are inside the book of Revelation an unveiling of Jesus Christ that you don't find any other place. So if I stay out of this book. I'm staying away from seeing Jesus and who he is right now. That's why in our church system, we don't have crucifixes. You know what a crucifix is? You know what the difference between a crucifix and a cross? A crucifix is a cross that has a picture of Jesus on it. Okay. He ain't on the cross no more. Did you know that? Okay, that's not the picture. You know, some people say, oh, sweet baby Jesus. He not sweet baby Jesus no more. Now, we're going to celebrate on Good, Good Friday, 
his seven last sayings and all of the sufferings. But we're going to read here in this first chapter, in the cover letter, he's saying, I've been there and I've done that and I'm not doing that no more. Okay. So those pictures of him are not the final picture of him. The word revelation, that's why on the screen there, um, with, with that, I give you the Greek word for it. It is the word apocalypsis, where we get the word apocalypse. Anybody ever heard of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? When people think about the term apocalypse, they think about, you know, the planet ending and crashing and everything going bad and oh my God. But the term doesn't mean any of those things. The word apocalypsis literally means, it's the word revelation, but it means to take away, apple means to take it away, A-P-O. Kaluptus means a cover, a curtain, something that's blocking my view. So the word revelation means I'm taking away the thing that's been hiding the view and I'm seeing Jesus in all of his glory. Now, that's completely different than I can't understand this book. There's so much in it. It's a book of mysteries and meanings and hidden, and I can't get it. If the title means taking away the thing that's covered and seeing what's behind it, then clearly I must be doing something wrong with my interpretation if all I get out of it is I can't get it. I can't understand it. It's so much. It's just it's too deep for me. Now, either I'm going to believe what God said through John about the book, or I'm going to believe what people say about the book. I can't believe both. Um, I was thinking about this as I read this, and I, and, I, and I went back to my wedding day, the day that I got married. And I remembered how um, I was there and meeting with the brothers as we were getting ready, um, having time with with my bishop as we were getting prepared. I remember, and I watched the video a lot, so it's very easy for me to draw these pictures to mind. Seeing my wife come down, seeing every, oh man, she was, she was decked out. Uh, and I had all of the fun, and we hugged people, we did our vows. But later on that evening, I was looking forward to an unveiling. <laughs> Don't be mad at me. I was. I, I expected that I was going to see stuff that nobody else could see. That's what this scripture is telling us, that revelation is for us, the church, and unveiling. Everybody else ain't supposed to get it because they're they not the one married to the bridegroom. We are. So we're going to see stuff in it that other people can't see. Sorry if that, if your sensitivities were, were bothered by that, but I couldn't think of a better way for me to explain it to you. You'll never forget that picture, will you? All right. Um, so I started a study once when I was going through, I, I taught this, the first time I taught this, I taught this at a Bible study at GM back in like over a decade now ago, maybe 11, 12 years ago. And I started a study where I wanted to write down 
every specific revelation of Jesus Christ that's mentioned in this book, because there are some that are not even mentioned in other books, right, of the Bible. You know, he's called the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There's some references to him being the Lamb here, but John said that in the Gospels. But then there's other ones that are just here. And I wanted to write down every single one so that I could come out of this book saying, I understand everything that this book has to say about Jesus. And frankly, I got started and I just, I didn't finish. Um, But I encourage you to look at how many different things we can see about Jesus. Now, also remember what we've taught you in our Sunday sessions about understanding the image, seeing Jesus in all of his glory and being transformed into that image from glory to glory, because we are predestined to be conformed into the image of God's dear son. Now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this, when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone that has this hope makes himself pure. That's why we want to take the time, if there is a book that unveils him, I don't want to hide from that book. I want to dig into it. Does that make sense? All right. We have taken the time when we when we do the Lord's Prayer, I go through the Lord's Prayer. I, I worship him. Holy is your name. And I call out all of the Jehovah's that I can remember and the El Elyons and the El Shaddai's and the Elohim's. And I call out all of those names. But there's a bunch of names for Jesus in this book. I can't even tell you how many there are because I, I stop counting. Let's make that as a goal. Let's just see how many of them we get how many different insights that we see about Jesus in this, in the book of Revelation. All right. Now, if I didn't figure out all the other stuff, but I understood every name of Jesus that's in the book of Revelation, Jesus would declare me the winner because the goal is for, to unveil Jesus to his church, isn't it? Okay. So that's number one. Number two, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ is a book of blessings, blessing in reading, blessing in hearing, blessing in doing. It's not a book of confusion. Stop it. That's the devil trying to get you scared. I mean, now, um, if you're not saved, you, it should scare you. <laughs> I was going to say it's, it's supposed to scare the hell out of you, but I don't want to mess with you uh, to this early in this series. Okay. Um, now, if the Word of God says that it is a book of bless that caused me to be blessed in reading, hearing, and doing, then I am in faith for an empowerment to come upon our church because we're doing this study. He said it's in there. Then I'm, at, I'm believing God that we're going to get stronger as a congregation because we're willing to step into this. Now, do I know as your pastor that I have it all right? No, no, I, I can't tell you that. But I do know this, that I can get blessed by seeking Jesus in a way that impacts what I do. Yeah, that's what he said. Blesses the person who hears it, who reads it, and who keeps the sayings. So I'm looking for, I'm looking to read it and hear it, and then I'm looking for actionable a- items in the book, right? Things that I can act on knowing that God's going to bless me. All right, let's take this by faith right now. Come on, say this with me. Father, you have provided an unveiling, an uncovering 
a revelation of Jesus Christ to your servant John by your Holy Spirit for me. I believe I receive the ability to see Jesus and all his glory. I also receive the blessing that comes from reading and hearing this unveiling. You will show me the parts of this unveiling that I am responsible to keep. And I also receive the blessing in the doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo, that's, I, I, I feel something right there, okay? And then our, our, third, our third key point from, from um, chapter one is John is writing to the seven churches of Asia. These seven churches weren't the, all the seven churches, but they were a group of churches that John was the spiritual leader over. He was the apostle to those churches. Um, they, they are all in what today would be the nation of Turkey. All right. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this part B of it, and you'll see, you'll see that as we read the next few verses. The Godhead is actively involved in this book. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so I'm believing that I'm going to get the peace that God the Father want me to get out of this, God the Son, because the book is about him, and that the Holy Spirit who shows me things to come. That's part of his ministry. Jesus said his ministry would be to show me things to come, to bring things to my remembrance about him that Jesus has commanded me, that I'm going to get all of their ministry, and they're going to minister to me in this. And I'm believing that angels are going to get involved in it because it was revealed by his, his, his angel to the servant John. Amen? All right. Now let's look at... Um, we're going to read um, verses 4 through 7. Verses 4 through 7. Are you getting something out of this? John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's God the Father. Right? And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. That's God the Holy Spirit. Why is it seven spirits? I'll tell you that in a second. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. All right? He's Jesus the Christ. Uh-oh, he's the faithful witness. I, I found a revelation of him. He's a witness. That word there for witness is the word martyr. He witnessed to the death of the truth of what God had done through him for us. The firstborn from the dead, that's another revelation of him. That means I got a number in that. If he's firstborn, then that means I got a born too. And the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us. Oh, man. Okay, that's a revelation. John 3, God so loved, Jesus loved, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. All right. Now we shift from a revelation of who he is to us to who we are to him and has made us kings and priests, to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Now look at verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all of the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. It is what it is. So be it. That's it. That's God calling the shot. Too bad, so sad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's going to happen. Even so, amen, God putting his final stamp on it. Right? Amen doesn't mean the end of prayer. <laughs> Sometimes we say amen is just like the end. Amen means so be it. All right? So number four on our list is not only do we get a revelation of who Jesus is, but we also get a revelation of who we are, blood-washed kings and priests, kings being authority in, in the earth and priests being authority in heaven. Authority in heaven is an intercessory authority, right? Priests offer gifts and sacrifices for men. But when we intercede, we move heaven up on the earth. Remember Abraham? God, God, if you just find 10 righteous, will you save Sodom and Gomorrah? He was moving heaven on behalf of the earth. He was priestly. He was doing priestly intercession. All right. Now let's look at verses 8 through 11. Now, here's some other revelations. Keep track of the revelations of what God is showing himself to you about himself. Specifically what Jesus is um, showing himself to us about himself. This is Jesus speaking. In my Bible, this is in red. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. All right. Well, praise the Lord. I receive all of those revelations of you, Lord Jesus. Now let's look at verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the isle of, island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a, live vo a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. All right? So my key point number five is, just looking at the ministry of the Apostle John is, you can be highly anointed in difficult circumstances and still be highly used of God if you keep your eyes on Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I can just keep my eyes on Jesus, Paul, uh, Peter wouldn't have begun to sink if he had stopped. If he, if he, once he got his eyes off Jesus and looked at his circumstances, he started to sink. If I can just keep my eyes on him. Yeah, that's why having, if there is a book where he is unveiling himself, I want to see every piece of him I can. I don't want to miss anything he want to show me about himself. Uh, and people may argue with me about the, the footnotes. Uh, I think it's going to happen this way. Okay, I mean, you know, those are the footnotes. 
I want to make sure I see Jesus. And because John saw Jesus, he could still get his assignment done even, even in the midst of difficulty. Does that make sense? All right. Um, now let's, let's look down. We're going to read verses 12. We'll go down to verse 19, 12 through 19. Um, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. That's very, very important. Seven golden lampstands. And in the midst or in the middle of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Oh, that's one of the names, one of the revelations of Jesus. He's not just the Son of God. Here he's described. Now, why didn't he come as the Son of God? Why did he say the Son of Man? See, these are all of the questions when you're really meditating that you have to go back and picture. There is one God, and Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy, and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That's saying... In the church, he identifies with all my humanity, because church is a messy place. Can we talk about it? We can talk about church hurt and all of that stuff, and everybody want to run away from the church, but Jesus stand right in the middle of the mess and say, I ain't going nowhere. He's right in the middle of the churches, all right? One like the Son of Man, and he's clothed in a priestly garment, clothed with a garment down to the to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were like were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand, this is also significant, what hand he's got these um, this M, in his right hand, seven stars. Seven stars are in his right hand, walking in the middle of seven golden candlesticks as a son of man in priestly garment. Got it? Right? Why, Pastor, why are you slowing down? Because you got to visualize. Right? We spent all of this time talking about meditation. You don't see the picture. It's not complete. Right? So make sure you see the picture. Had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him in his glory, it took all the air out of me. Didn't say that. I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid which hand on me? The same hand that had the stars. That's important. He laid his right hand on me because he could have just said he laid his hand on me. But he said the same right hand that he had the stars in. That's, that's significant. Laid his right hand on, on me saying, saying to me, do not be afraid. All right. If he's saying to him, and I'm to read this revelation, and he's telling him not to be afraid. He's telling me not to be afraid when I read it. Does that make sense? See, he is saying the same thing because John 
was told to deliver this message to us. So I'm not supposed to be afraid of end times. He ain't telling him to not be afraid, but you can be scared. He's not saying that. He's saying all of us should not have fear when it comes to the times of the end. No matter what we face, you know, the song says, I know who holds tomorrow, and I know he holds my hand. All right? So he laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, been there and done that, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Put a stamp on it. <laughs> and I have the keys of Hades or hell and of death. The devil can't just take you out because I got the keys, man. I know he sell wolf tickets like he can. I know he sell wolf tickets like he can take you whenever he want to. I got his keys. He lying. That's what Jesus is telling you. He lying. But I got to get this revelation on the inside of me. John had enough revelation on this that when they tried to boil him alive in oil, they tried to fry him, deep fry. Yeah, they did. And he walked right out of the oil. <laughs> okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I want to have that kind of revelation. I want to see Jesus in all his glory to the point where they can't kill me until God says, okay, I'm willing to let you be martyred as a sacrifice. But I want it to be on me and God's terms, not on their terms. I don't want it to be on somebody else's terms. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think about the, the people um, at the, in the church in South Carolina, Bible study, and the man comes in and shoots. We can't say that stuff won't happen. But I also think about... Um, Pastor in San Antonio, John Hagee, a crazed man came in, shot him at point blank range, and all of the bullets deflected. I want that kind of revelation. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not saying I'm there yet. I'm not saying if it happened tonight, I'd be ready. I'm just saying I'm striving to get to the point where I have that kind of revelation of Jesus Christ. Because somebody in here, in this book, is going to have that kind of revelation because they're going to get escaped out of it. And they're going to have enough revelation to face death and come out alive. I'm just asking God, I want to be one of them. Does that make sense? He's trying to show himself that strong in us. All right? But I got to spend time in an intimate fellowship and meditation with him to get that far. All right, now let's look at verse 19. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. All right. So our key point number six is the revelation of Jesus Christ is, con is concerning things past, things present, and from the place we sit in our dispensation, things that are future. Okay, so stop here for a second, because I want, I want to make sure I spend some time in this. You will run into some teachers that says, Revelation is a historical book, and it's all, it's all fulfilled. And it happened in 70 AD, and, and all of this stuff, when, when um, um, 
the Roman general Titus came and destroyed Jerusalem and, and all of this stuff, and it's all done. It's all past. And then you got some people say, well, it's all future, man. Ain't none of it happened yet. But, but the, the way that Jesus described it is there's some pieces of it that are past. There's some pieces of it that are present, and there's some pieces of it are future. So I should be looking to see on a chronological time that there might be some times I go to the past, things that are present, even from John's time to this time, because we're all still in the church age. You didn't know that, right? We're still in the church age. We're all still in that dispensation. All right? But we read when we talked about, um, when we talked about the nation of Israel from Romans chapter 9 and chapter 11, that there's going to come a time when, when God dealing with the non-Jewish believers will have reached a point where he calls Phil and he's going to go back and deal with national Israel. We read that, right? We spent time in that. So in this dispensation, there's some things in the past, some things that are present, some things in the future. It's not just the big argument comes is did it all happen or is it all going to happen? And our answer is, well, it's kind of all of them. Because <laughs> he said things that have, things that are, things that will be. All right. All right. Now, the last verse. See, we're already through. I, did you get some out of this today? Yeah. Now, your whole demeanor, just, just from where I sit, is different than when you came in here. Just based on the cover letter. We ain't even to the good part yet. We even got to the resume. We just reading the cover letter. Right? But, but our perspective should be um, bounded by this. Now look at verse 20, the last verse. The mystery, that word is a very important word. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Okay. Now, so my last, my last key point here, and this is really my final thing, though I'll just I'll tease, I'll tease it out to you today and we'll we'll go in depth. We're gonna take some time um, next week to, to really break out verse 20. Okay. So that's where we'll start before we go into the letters to the specific churches. Just really spending some time in that. All right, so put up number seven for my list. There is a very specific in-depth revelation associated with the identity and operation of the church, of angelic and pastoral interaction, and of Jesus' oversight that's, that's being described here. All right? Jesus called it a mystery. Now, when he calls things a mystery, what you have to understand is it's saying there's something here that if I didn't show it to you, you won't ever be able to figure it out on your own. Behold, I show you a great mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. For the trump of God shall sound, the angels shall descend, right? The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we that are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with him in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. 
He was like, listen, you're not going to, you can't put one plus one plus one plus two plus five plus seven and figure that out on your own. It's a mystery. I have to reveal it to you. All right. So he's saying here, there is a specific revelation and unveiling an in-depth thing that we need to understand about how the church operates by this picture. Now, this picture is a different picture of church than what we had in other books. We had a picture of church being the body of Christ in other books. We have a picture of church being the bride of Christ. We have a picture of church being a building built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. We have a picture of church being a sheepfold with the, with the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep in the fold. But here is a whole new picture that I haven't seen like this in any other book. All right? Well, not only do I need to see how Jesus is, but this is the Jesus that we deal with. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll eat and drink communion and deal with Jesus on the cross and we'll celebrate and we'll say thank you. But even he here says that, that that's done. I was dead, but I'm not there no more. I still thank him for it because I still get benefits from it. But that's not the Jesus that I'm dealing with now. All right. This picture is even a picture different from the Jesus that ascended to heaven at the right hand of the father. Because this picture says that sometimes Jesus gets off of his throne and goes by and visit church. Because he we're going to learn that he walks in the middle of the seven golden candlesticks. Jesus visits churches. It's not just that the Holy Spirit, that we're born of Christ and the Holy Spirit is in us as a church. Jesus, the scripture says he walks in the middle. And then he came to one church and he was like, the door was locked and he's knocking on the outside. Behold, hold it, hold it, hold it. Stop, 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 stop the press. Jesus, we doing church and you locked out? and you on the outside knocking, trying to get in, that's not a good picture. I don't want to be a church. Listen, if Jesus is on the outside, we might as well go home. <laughs> if he don't feel comfortable, what are we doing if we have a church and Jesus is locked on the outside trying to get up in there? <laughs> Something's wrong. All right. So, so what I'm saying is there is some insights in this that talks about Jesus' present-day ministry to the church that I don't see in other books. I just don't see them. That's why we can't. Now, you and I know that um, intellectually, but spiritually, sometimes we act like we can ignore a whole book of the Bible and still be okay. You can't. Like, you even need to know what's in Philemon. Anybody read Philemon? I have. I'm just saying. If it's in the Bible, I, I, I'm just saying, right? We ignore certain things. I'm like, no, man, you can't do that. It's all his book. When you get to heaven, Philemon going to ask God, going to ask you, did you read his book? 
I'm just saying. I'm just... <laughs> Somebody can go home and read Philemon. All right, okay. <laughs> it's not a long book. It's not a long book. It's it's a short book. It won't take you long. You can read it in a few minutes. Um, but here, these seven stars were angels. Now, this is clearly a double reference. What it tells us is, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you preview for next week because you can go home and study and do some stuff, right? What it tells you is, not only do you have a, angels assigned to you personally, which you do, even the youngest believers, Jesus said, their angels t- will tell on you to the Father in heaven. Don't, watch how you treat little kids. He said, their angels will tell on you. Jesus said that. But the church has an angel assigned to it. And as the principal messenger in ministry, that angel hang out with me some. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying, because it's a double reference. Why do we know it's a double reference? Because the same right hand that he had the stars in was the hand that he touched John. And John was the apostolic messenger to those seven churches. They were a part of his apostolic network. All right? So that's a reference there. Because Jesus don't need to come to a human to talk to, to an angel. Right? They, they talk to him. Listen, they're they good at taking orders directly from headquarters. They don't, you know, the only reason that he has to talk to an angel through us is that they hearken to the voice of the word, and we're the ones that speak the word that they move on. Got it? So since he was trying to not just, like, there is promises that I can take personally into my life, and I can speak that I'm out of debt and my knees are met, and my, by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. And the angels that are assigned to me personally as a believer will go to work on that. But as a pastor, I'm praying for the church. And the, the, the enemy says, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So there's another level of angel that comes to stand with me that'll give me orders from headquarters, give me messages that'll work with us. You know, when things need to move around here, stuff happens, right? Um, angels are at work to do that. But they're each church. this scripture tells us the revelation is each, each kingdom community has an angel assigned to it. Does that make sense? Now, that's a whole new revelation. I, I had not seen that in any other book of the Bible. That's why we can't turn away from the last book of the Bible. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of this? Hallelujah. So next week, we'll spend some time. I'm working on uh, what I call my seven keys to the mystery of the seven stars and the seven golden lampstands. And that's where we'll start. We'll start there next week. Make sure you got that revelation because it's a mystery. So we need to, we don't, we don't need to rush past that. And then we'll go into um, the specific letters to the churches, which are chapters two and three from there. 